0: Had I not taken the leap and set up my own business and made that change in 2016 that I made, I probably would have spent the rest of my life believing that I wasn't creative. That was a strong core belief for me and that began somewhere in my life. And so I see that with the leaders I work with all the time.
1: That's Sally Murphy, communication strategist, coach and trainer. More than that, she is a powerful storyteller and she's on a mission to help people tell better stories. She believes your story is your superpower because it can help you win hearts, inspire minds and make a movement. Sally's clients include Microsoft, Google, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, Paddy Power and many more. And in this episode of Your Truth Shared, we explore why storytelling is so important today and how you can use story in your business. I'm Finola Howard intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. I just thought it was a bad time we started to speak about storytelling because everywhere you look, you see the importance of storytelling in helping us have more intact messaging and connection points with people because, you know, we always love to listen to a good story. So I sat and I thought about Now, who would be the best person to speak to, to have a deeper conversation with about storytelling? And automatically, I always think of beautiful, beautiful Sally Murphy with the great mission. This is when we talk about clarity here for messaging and for story. She is on a mission to help people tell better stories. Who better to start this conversation with? Welcome, Sally. Thanks. Vanola, so lovely to be
0: here. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. How are you today? I'm great, yeah. Um, I'm in Donegal and the sun is shining and uh, I'm talking to you. So what what could be better, (laughs) really? (laughs) I feel the same way. Hmm. So what I'd love
1: to do is you've been on your own storytelling journey. There's something that I have to reflect on because... I love that Sally takes the perspective that anybody can be a great storyteller and that our own life's journey is a story in itself. And so what I'd love to do at the start of this conversation is. Clear a space for Sally to start her journey, uh, share her journey with us, which started with the English literature, which completely makes sense, but let her tell the story. So can you share that with us? Sally?
0: Oh, thanks, Finola. Um, yeah, so I suppose, and, and really what you're asking me to do here is to kind of share with you a little bit about my origin story, um, or we might call that Yay. our founder story, <laughs> or some people might call yes. it the back story. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, and I often say this to people that I'm working with, Your origin story, my origin story, doesn't actually begin in one point. There's many places that I could start my origin story from. And because it's my story, I have the choice to ladder up and down through my life and begin at whatever beginning I choose, according to whatever audience. Yeah.
1: How beautiful. Let's just take a moment because, you know, in some of these conversations, we always think we're just one thing. and. You know, when we think about clarity, we think it has to be fixed, but it's not. It's just what's appropriate. So I love that's already empowering for me to hear that statement about laddering up and choosing, choosing where to share the journey with the right audience. I love it. Because
0: by doing that, actually what you're doing is it's twofold. You know, on the one hand, you are claiming full agency for your own story right i get to choose mm. where i start my story at any time right mm. and i'm mm. also keeping my audience in mind so depending on what the audience is and what the situation is what the context is certain parts of my story make more sense to start from you mm. know you know so to 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 begin with the degree in english literature um yeah i i went to queens in belfast and um I uh, I did English literature and originally I did English and philosophy, but or, no, psychology, but psychology was really mathematical. Uh, I didn't realize it would be and I went to pure English then in first year. And um, I was talking to somebody about this recently, actually, I mean, although I don't have any regrets, because I don't believe in regrets, I would love to go back and redo that <laughs> degree, because I made a holy hames <laughs> of it, you know. Um, <laughs> And like, I really did, no, you no. know, and... That is a technical term here in Ireland. <laughs> uh, holy uh, Holy of it, you know, mm. and I, maybe I was a bit unprepared mm. for the university experience. I certainly um, didn't have um, core skills that I needed in order to be able to effectively negotiate my way through that experience. Like like discipline and the capacity to see a task through from the beginning to the middle, to the end. And, and those actually relate to how I, those are some of the core things I, that I've had to learn in running my own business. It took me another 20 years wonderful, to have to, to learn those things. Yeah. However, I did, I did eventually after some starts and stops, <laughs> get a degree in English.
1: So isn't it so interesting, Sally, that, there are things that happen early on in our paths that we actually bring with us into the entrepreneurial journey and then we recognize them it's a it's a an incredible journey because we heal a lot of stuff in ourselves as we go through the journey and it just makes us better entrepreneurs and better able to relate to our clients in a in in a deeper way because we can connect to it do you agree or how do you feel about that
0: well i think that we have a choice whether or not we do that okay Like, I think that that's the choice that we have. We can either stay awake and sometimes it's really painful to stay awake Mm. in the spiritual and, you know, I don't just mean, you know, stay awake to our feelings, stay awake to the discomfort, keep going, you know, find help, all of those things, you know. But we have a choice about whether or not we can kind of continue and and at, at every point i suppose and you would have helped me do this enormously examine what we were carrying what we are carrying examine what i was carrying and ask whether that was something i wanted to continue carrying or whether i was time it was ready to let it go and so after university i had the i had uh, I had uh, the fortune to have um, one of my aunts, who's just an amazing woman, had been involved in film. And so I used to go down in the summers and work for the Galway Film Fla. Mm. And um, after university, I went to Galway and started to work for the Galway Film Fla full time mm. and um, had a great time in Galway. Who doesn't have a great time in Galway when they are in the early 20s? <laughs> you know, um, and then I became pregnant with my first son Mm. um, when I was 24 Mm. and I had him when I had just turned 25. So um, that really altered the course of my life um, absolutely for the better Um, and I ended up moving back home to Donegal. And for a period of time, I worked in a jewellery shop, and I really loved it. And the owner of the shop wanted me to stay there because he said I could sell ice to Eskimos. <laughs> and and again, looking back now from the perspective of being a business owner who specializes in storytelling, I know that what I did, and you will relate mm. to this with marketing is your truth told mm. and your truth shared, is that I always told mm. customers the truth, and I told them good yeah. stories. Yeah,
1: so, Wonderful.
0: I found out about their story. I found out about the story of the person that they were trying to buy the gift for. I was curious, I was interested. I would say to them i don 't think that will work. I think this will work and I sold so much jewelry <laughs> it 's a great tool to have curiosity and then I moved into working in the cultural um, in, in cultural industries in Donegal and um, you know had a, you know, had another son um, and then kind of worked in, and I worked for the regional cultural center in Letterkenny. I was the head of education. So my focus was always on access and participation and culture. And again, you know, Mm -hmm. one of my strong beliefs throughout that time and throughout that entire time was that I was not creative. Wow, that's just crazy to hear.
1: Sadie, you're one of the most creative people I know.
0: And I absolutely believed that I wasn't creative because I was working with artists all the time. So I was a cultural programmer. I would put people together. Of course, now I see that I was devising concepts and coming up with ideas and programs and making this magic happen. But I had... A low self-esteem. I, um, I believed that because I wasn't a painter or a dancer or a musician or an author, that therefore I wasn't creative. It was so narrow. Again, another heavy stone. I was about to say, I was about to say, do you think
1: that we are too narrow in our perception of what creativity is? Yes,
0: 100%. And I think that that can be compounded by lots of different things like the environment within which you grow up, this education system that you have, um, the opportunities that you have. It's multifactorial, you know. Um, And I didn't know what I didn't know. in whatever we're doing, we're bringing our private selves to it. So there was private personal stuff going on that would have added to that narrative too. Mm. And I loved my work and I loved working with people and I did good work, you know, and... um, and I felt that that was the industry I would stay in all my, and, you know, all my life. That would, would be my career. And then in 2008, I got made redundant. And um, for about a year, I couldn't get any work. And at nighttime, I, I started to clean a restaurant at night. And it was the hardest work I've ever done. Um, so I would go down and open up the restaurant at nine o'clock when it was closed. And I would clean it until at about half 11 or 12. And I would just come home burnt with the chemicals, exhausted. But you see, I'm a grafter, Mm. so I'll do whatever I need to do Mm. to work, you know.
1: But I love that about you, Sally, because and I love that. I love that you are vulnerable enough to share that fact Mm. here, because we need to to share with people that there is a graft to this work, to being a successful entrepreneur. And it's it it's no harm, you know, it's a good thing to know how to work. I think that's really important. There's a joy in that work, Mm -hmm. too. You learn about yourself. Uh, I kind of just want to Mm -hmm. say, Bravo, thank you for sharing that. And I mean, I would have done that also. I would have done waitressing. I remember waitressing and applying for a waitressing job in London. I did eventually get some waitressing jobs, but I applied for one waitressing job in London. And uh, I wasn't good enough. I was rejected Mm. (laughs) and I'm like, "Okay, we just we live and learn, you know, it's part of the journey.
0: Yeah. And I suppose I'm really interested in inclusivity and belonging. And I Mm. remember with that job, um, it was a case of needs must you know, I needed to pay the mortgage and there was no work. Mm. And, um, my friend was doing this work and it fit with my, I had two children, you know, it was a great experience for me. And I'm very proud of the fact that I, I had that experience and that I can tell the story because it reminds me to always pay attention to all the people who are around me, not just in my circle, but in every circle that I go out into in the world, you know, um, Mm. And to to do my best to treat people well, you know, and um, yeah, you know that's like what is what is like that's just a really strong philosophical belief of mine, you know. And like I don't always I mean, you'd need to see me in the car sometimes. I don't know, like I'd be cursing the drivers, <laughs> but you know, um. yeah. But
1: I like that it really tells preempts the story of so much of your work is around diversity, equality, and inclusion. So that story makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, and it makes sense to me. And you see, that's the beautiful thing about stories. Like, um, you know, even now by talking, I'll add that story to my story bank because I hadn't actually thought about it in that way before. And I'll pull that story out And I'll polish it and I'll use it. I don't know when or for what audience, but by having this conversation with you, I've found yet another story for my story bank that I wasn't aware of. Tell us
1: about this idea of the story bank because I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love the story bank.
0: So um, the story bank is essential to people who want to evolve um, a storied approach to their communications. And it doesn't matter whether you are a business owner and you're communicating B2C, whether you're B2B, B, whether you're a leader trying to communicate with teams, um, a, a community leader um, in the home, you know, this is something that we can do and we ought to do over and over and over again. And um, before I forget, there would be someone that I would really point to who's a guy called Matthew. Dyke, Dyck D Y C K, and he has a TED a TEDx talk called Homework for Life, and and this this is um like lots of people who work in story talk about story libraries, but he um, he's special, so I would recommend people to to look at his work. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. So really a story library is about, because you see stories, we tell stories all the time and we communicate through story naturally as human beings, right? Um, But in order to become storied in our communications, we need to um, make time and we need to use a strategy around that. And we need to understand what storytelling is and what it's not. And actually there's an awful lot to it. (laughs) Um, It's very simple and there's, and it's also, there's a complexity to it. There's, because, because, Storytelling is organic. It's about humans. The audience, there's so many different variables. With the story bank, what we do is we 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 create a system of gathering stories that are relevant to our audiences. Um, and you know the process that I work with through when I'm working with clients is that there'll probably be about a six or seven step process that I bring them through you know and so what I always say to them is is we cast our minds back in order to map our pathways forward you know and so what I'll ask them to do is to kind of cast their minds back throughout their life and consider key people or places or moments or experiences that jump out at them. You know, and all we're doing right now at this stage is we're going back and we're looking, we're exploring, we're probing. It's like we're, you know, imagine like an archaeologist who's doing a dig and they're brushing away with a little brush at the sands, brushing through the sands of time, trying to figure out the people, the places, the experiences, the moments, the teachers that shaped us. Um, and we just start to gather that and write it down. And, you know, it might be, you know, Mrs. Robinson, 1992, um, made me feel proud, uh, basketball. You know, it can be bullet points or it could be granny taught me how to ride my bicycle. Um, I never, for- you know, rem- I remember her support, you know. Or it could be um, about the teacher that made you feel um embarrassed or ashamed or uh, that moment where you realize that the boy didn't like you or um, the, the the moment where you realized that you had to leave the relationship. Like these moments because our life is made up of moments. You know, the Greeks had two ways of measuring time. There was the God of time who was Kronos and that was chronological time. Hours days, weeks, minutes, seconds, and we need that rational, linear, chronological time in order to make sense of things, to have order and structure. But the Greeks were so damn clever. They had another God who was called Kairos, and he was the God who measured time in moments. And it is the moments in our life that we remember, and it is the moments throughout our life that we can draw stories from. It's the moment I'm on the train station and I miss the connecting flight. And that means that I end up staying and I meet the person who is about to change my life. It's the moment where I realize that I've made a mistake with my son and I can't change it. And I realize that I've affected him in some way. These are moments. And you see all of these moments add up to a a universal human experience. That is our life, right? But you see, the thing is, everybody else is experiencing those moments too, <laughs> right? And so if we can start to think about that and think about these universal human experiences, the moments in our life where we've experienced love and loss and, dis- and pride and success and disappointment and shame and bewilderment and confusion, And we start to tell stories based around those human emotions. Even if somebody hasn't had the same experience as us, they'll connect with the emotion.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. That's why I'm so quiet. (laughs) Uh, This thing that I'm learning here is also because it's coming clear for how you speak. And she's very animated, I have to say, because she speaks with her hands. She's like me too. But what I love here is. Even those moments which could be termed as negative are expressed, you're expressing them in such a way that they have inherent potential for transformation. Yeah. That's a really powerful thing. So.
0: Yes. And you see, the thing is, there are some elements of stories, there are, there are some key ingredients that one must have in a story in order for it to be good, Right but people are always saying to me show me the structure and I used to be like that too what's the structure you know give me the give me the white paper like where's the one and of course there's no such thing like it's it's many things storytelling is many things and it depends on the audience and the time like I've said but there are some key things that you must have in a story in order for it to be powerful and so what you must have for example is the context At the beginning, a story must make sense and it must make sense quickly for an audience. Otherwise, you'll lose their attention and you'll lose their attention fast. And There's neuroscientific research to prove that, right? It must have characters. A story has to be about people in some way, you know, and really the characters should be characters, either the characters or the experiences that they're having, the audience should be able to relate to in some way, right? Um, The story must have conflict. There must be some sort of tension in the story some before state and an after state because what they say in the storytelling word is tension creates attention right tension creates Mm, attention yeah so it must have context it must have characters it must have some type of conflict or some sort of tension and it must have a transformation because good storytelling is about transformation at its very core. That's why at the end of a story, there's a moral of the story, there's a takeaway. There's a reason why we tell stories. We we give a story to an audience. We we it's like we carry the flame with a story and we say, Here you go, here's here's this story, here's this lesson, and I'm gonna give it to you now and do what you will with it. But I receive the story then and I can learn from it, add my own story to it, be changed by it, be affected by it. And we, we see it in our world all the time. We're really affected by great storytelling. I went to see Elvis last week and it sort of changed my life, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Oh,
1: <laughs> I went to see it again, last. I've seen
0: it twice. <laughs> like, oh my that's God. That's
1: another podcast. But he is my favorite yeah, director. I mean, it actually changed say. my life
0: Amazing. a bit.
1: How did it change your life? Sorry, you're off track, but how did because, it change your life?
0: okay, maybe change my life is a little bit hyperbolic, but I know, because I, I didn't know Elvis, <laughs> just, I didn't like Elvis. I Another story, I believed I didn't like Elvis because I grew up in a house where my parents didn't like Elvis. That's fine. They're entitled to not like Elvis, you know, and so I just totally dismissed him. I had this idea of Elvis in his later years, and I just thought it was kind of ridiculous. And what that story, what that story did, and the way Baz Luhrmann told the story, and the visual storytelling, and the aural parts—you know, the soundtrack—was that mm. it taught me about belonging and hope, and unfairness and sadness, and it mm. introduced me to mm. an artist that I can now spend the rest of my life exploring and coming to love. Powerful. I now get, to, I, I actually yeah. think I might write to Baz Luhrmann and say, you have given me Elvis, like, thank you, <laughs> you yeah. know, because I would Why never. Not? I'd love you to do that. <laughs> I would never, I would never have <laughs> paid attention back. to Elvis and now I'm obsessed with Elvis.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> well, I grew up
1: loving him because right. my parents loved him, you know, so that's the other side. So and I even remember where I was when he died, you know, and being really upset. And I was very young. <laughs> So I think I was seven or eight or something. So yeah, Mm. powerful. I'm just going to take a very short break here to tell you about an opportunity where you can apply the insights from many of these conversations to your business. Your marketing is your choice. In fact, all the trends scream that the more authentic you are, the greater the resonance with your target customers and the greater the success your business can have. Position With Purpose is my free 90 minute webinar where you will learn that it's possible to do your marketing in a way that feels like you and delivers results. She just knows what step you should take next. One of these rare finds is really genuine
0: people. Finola will help you to find your authentic voice. Fanola has some wonderful methodologies. Did I say Finola really cares? She genuinely does. You manage to combine a proximity and helping hand with an online course or online program. You have an incredible generosity of spirit. Finola helps you to extract ideas and dreams
1: of how to make your business even bigger. It is so much more than marketing. If you'd like to find out more about Position with Purpose, click on the link in the show notes so you can find out how to market so it feels like you and pull your customers to you. Now, let's get back to the conversation. This is a really interesting part of storytelling, is these layers that you've described. And Baz Luhrmann just does the layers so amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the the tension, the characters, the context. You know, he, he, he shows us yeah. that tension very cleverly from the very beginning in a myriad of different ways. And you see, stories can rise up and down, you know, you know, you can have mm-hmm. three or four or five different arcs within a story. I mean, it's like I say, there's so many different variables to it. But I mean, I suppose um I was thinking about something else, just I wanted to come back to it. I was talking about the emotion around storytelling and Kairos and Kronos and all that kind of stuff and you know, yes, um yes. Mm. You know, one of the one of the things that I've discovered in in all my research around storytelling and uh, it's connected to that emotion piece is that if we look at the word emotion, the middle part, the root of the word emotion is mot, which is the Latin root of motion. So what we say is that mm. emotion creates motion. Emotion creates movement. So with any of our audiences. Mm if we can understand that people will be compelled to act when they feel something, right? Facts alone won't do the job. Now facts are important. They're really important. They provide context and clarity. They can provide reassurance. If if somebody needs to know what their bank balance is, you know, you don't stand up and tell them a story about when you were seven and you are in the GAA. Like that's mm. not what, it, you know, facts are really important, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's stories that move people to act. And actually, when you combine facts and storytelling together in that space of like data storytelling, that can become really powerful, you know, and it's an area that I'm trying to learn more about right now.
1: It's amazing. Uh, One thing I'd love you to share with people is I want them to get the importance Mm. of storytelling, particularly in their businesses. So Tell us why storytelling is so important, like from a, mm-hmm. a brain perspective, because I, I remember seeing something on your website about, you know, this efficiency of our brains to filter out stuff and how storytelling can just push through that.
0: There will be a huge amount of research that's been done and more and more is happening all the time And. In- the kind of field of neuroscience and storytelling and um there'd be one guy um called paul zack who's got loads of really good research online that you, people can follow you know and youtube videos and stuff and that's zak but essentially um and i'm always afraid to see when i talk about this in case i get it wrong so like if there's a neuroscientist out there listening to this and i've got it wrong just forgive me but um you know, the brain, like we, we operate in our daily lives, we operate, I think, at around 95%, you know, subconscious and 5% subconscious. So what that means is if I'm driving down to Tesco's after this call, right, my brain is filtering out signals all the time, filtering out information, and it's only letting me see and understand and take in what I what I need to, right? My brain is so clever. And so it like, it, you know, it, it'll filter out things all the time and it'll show me things as and when I need them. That's all happening all the time at a subconscious level, right? But as we move through our life, we're gathering all of these experiences, these memories, I believe we store feelings and experiences in our body. The issues are in our tissues, you know, so we store them in our body. We store them in our mind. And then sometimes something will happen and we smell something or we hear a piece of music or somebody starts to talk about something. We get this wave of recollection. That's because it's all stored in our subconscious, right? Like that movie Inside Out. Discuss this, mm. d- described this really beautifully. Mm. So, you've got all of this thing going on about how mm. we're really kind of using 5% of our conscious mind all the time and 95% of our subconscious is there, but it's kind of ticking away along in the background. And one of the, the great gatekeepers of the mind is the amygdala and so that's the reptilian part of our brain and the amygdala decides when it sees a piece of information now that's whether it's a piece of copy a sales page a landing page an advertisement on the side of the road a person talking you know anything uh, you know information around us it decides whether or not that information is a threat because when we think we burn calories right so the amygdala's job is to be like hang on a second is this information a threat is it interesting Or is it useless? Is it boring? Because if it's boring, it's going to waste my calories and I'm not going to do that. Is it useful? And so it's constantly filtering out stuff. And so that's why people tune out or they flick away. It's because very quickly the brain will say, nope, nope, not relevant, not useful, boring, too much hard work, too long, too many words, not the right, not for me, you know. Mm. So what happens is that storytelling information, when it's given in narrative form, it bypasses the amygdala, right? Because the brain is hardwired to respond to and to receive information in the form of storytelling. And you'll start to notice this in marketing. Now, so for example, if I say, once upon a time, your brain immediately knows that I'm about to tell you a story, right? And it will perk up and it will listen. Now, if I don't do the rest of it well, it'll tune out again very quickly. But what I'm saying is it's a wee bit like the Matrix. Storytelling offers you an opportunity to cut through the noise and to grab attention, which is our most, you know, attention and time, our most precious resources, right? So once we started Mm -hmm. to get in, we've got the brain, you know, once upon a time, can I tell you a story about, can you imagine this? I remember back in school, you know, stories always usually begin with a kind of setting in time. It's that context piece, right? So you take them there, you take them
1: there from you the very beginning. Oh, yeah. You bring them there, yeah. bring them there,
0: Now, there are different ways of doing this. So, like, because we, we have to bring in artistic license here and it will change all the time. There are different ways of doing it. But fundamentally speaking, a story has a beginning, middle and the end. And at the beginning, what you're doing is you're grabbing people's attention and you're letting them know there's a story is about to be told, right? Um, it isn't a cookie-cutter approach. You know, I'm just giving you some examples of it, but... Um, if you can let your audience know that you're about to tell them a story, you you can grab their attention quickly. Now, that's that's magical, powerful. right? Yeah, really. that's powerful. Mm. Then what happens next is really important. Like so. And it's like communications 101. But what we'll always do when we're trying to craft a story for a certain audience it, and it can be marketing or it can be internal, it doesn't matter, really. It's the same approach. Why am I telling this story? What's the takeaway for the audience? What do I want them to know, to feel, and to do? What are the three parts of my story? So we build a story using a scaffold, right, and once we've done that, we start to layer in these different elements, like metaphor or you know similes or painting pictures with words, using descriptive words because if I describe something to you and I say, "You know, I remember the day that i uh was walking through the snowy field with my grandmother. And I could hear our snow boots crunching on the crisp white snow as we walked towards the apple trees in the, in the at the back of the field. Um, and I could feel my hand in her hand and she was wearing gloves and the gloves were red leather and it felt soft in my hands and I felt warm and safe. By me using and I did that didn't even do that very well, but by describing the gloves. You know, you were there, right? Because yeah. what's happened is I've pushed past the amygdala. Mm. It didn't have a choice. You let me in and I started to paint a picture in your mind with words mm. and with descriptions and with visuals. And then what happens is really important stuff happens. Like what we know about storytelling is that things happen like a thing called narrative transportation. Narrative transportation is when the person who's receiving the story gets lost in the story. So that happened to me. I have a a story about it when I was a little girl. I used to often go down on the bus with my mother from Donegal to visit my granny in Dublin. I was about 12 years old. I was reading a book of short stories by Daphne du Maurier. One of them was called Don't Look Now and it's really, really good. There's a film made about it. And at the end, something quite shocking happens. And I remember my mum, Watching me, she said, I, I got to the end of the story and I screamed out loud and threw the book down the middle at um, I Love the Bus. <laughs> I love because it. what had happened to me was I was in the story. I believe I was in the story. I had lost my surroundings. I was lost in it. I was in it, right? Another thing happens called neural coupling. And neural coupling, they've put things on people's heads and measured the brain waves when they're telling and receiving a story. And the same brain waves are activated in the person who's telling the story as the person who's receiving the story. Brainwaves that were dormant and then they light up. Because from a neuroscientific perspective, stories illuminate the mind. They light up parts of the brain that that facts and words alone just don't. And you see, this is really important because once different parts of the brain are sparking up, and, and paying attention and listening. And the brain is doing all of this work, and it's sorting it, and it's adding its own ideas to it, and it's connecting things with my own experiences in that vast subconscious. Chemicals are also being released in the mind. So when you're really engrossed in a story, when you're part of a story, and this would have happened to me with Elvis, mm. uh, oxytocin is being released. And oxytocin is the bonding hormone. It's the hormone that's released whenever a mother breastfeeds her child. Adrenaline Mm. is released. Dopamine is released at the end of a story when there's a happy ending and when we get a hit, you know? So at a neuroscientific level, Mm. if we can use elements of storytelling and become aware of the power of using a storied approach in our communications, we stand a much better chance of engaging with our audiences and being remembered by our audiences and having them know us, having them trust us, having them like us and having them choose us. And that's why storytelling is so important.
1: It's, I don't have words now. (laughs) So that's, that's such powerful information because it also tells me that stories can make a difference, can change things, which is why I feel you are so attracted in your work in the corporate space and back to this diversity, equality and inclusion space. Because the other thing you alluded to was not only can they know, like, and trust us from a, which is important from an external marketing perspective, but from an internal marketing perspective, you can make change you can inspire people to act as a result of the story mhm
0: because you see like if we look at if we look at some of the great change makers in our world past and present for good and for bad they all tell stories that's what they do you know um You know, uh, Donald Trump, um, who I think is a a despicable politician. (laughs) You know, um, Jesus, he was good at telling stories. Oh, my God, he knew how to do it. He took over that Twitter platform and he was able to tell stories. He knew his audience. He understood exactly what he wanted them to know, feel and do. He was really good at using characters, painting heroes and villains, you know. He consistently told stories that people wanted to hear, you know. Um, and let's look at someone a little bit, a, a lot more uh, uh, impressive or important and real. Let's look at someone like Greta Thunberg, you know, and the storytelling that she does and the story, and it's and it's and it's and it's and it's, it's it's buttressed by her. Um, I don't know if buttress I don't even know what that word means actually. It's supported by her <laughs> you know, her her actions, her activism. But so we see storytelling for the good and storytelling for the bad all the all the time, you know. It's just a question of how we are and, and how people in business, I suppose, thinking about the people who might be listening to this podcast, you know, what stories can they tell that will make a difference in their worlds and to their audiences and you know and how can they attach their stories to to the outcome and to the meaning and to the impact that they have you know that's a connection that people really need to be able to make because so often people will say to me i don't have any stories i don't want to talk about myself all the time um you know i don't want to i don't want to seem unprofessional i don't want to seem inappropriate and that particularly happens in that corporate leadership space that i have started to work an awful lot more in because, as you know, my business has completely evolved and Mm. I've iterated and iterated and iterated, you know.
1: Tammy, can you share with us any of the insights from because I've seen you do some amazing work with some amazing companies and I've seen the testimonials and stuff on your site. But is there anything that you can share that has of what a story can do in a company for leaders. And Mm -hmm. I like this thing that you talk about. Your life story is your leadership story Mm -hmm. and and some of the impacts that working with leaders and working with leaders and helping them tell better stories. Mm -hmm. What happens? Can you share anything? And I know you can't talk about specifics, but if you can give us maybe some examples.
0: Mm. Yeah. And, and that, that, that journey for me has been really, really interesting. And, you know, you, you know, I've obviously, I've, I've had your support as I've, I've as I've transitioned and, um, and I suppose, I suppose what this is about in, inside organizations and I, and I, I uh, am fortunate to do work with some, large organizations global organizations with very big staff numbers right and and so they're complex you know they're complex and um their communication needs are complex and um what i see with all the companies that i work with and this has happened without fail in all of them is that there are really good people in there who genuinely want to do good work and who know that in order to achieve their company vision, their mission to, to to be values-led, they need to be able to communicate with the people around them in a way that is impactful and authentic mm. and succinct mm. and has meaning, mm. right? Mm. And so what they wanted, and, 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 and that's at an, at an individual level, so there's that kind of need to be able to sharpen the saw, the tool around storytelling, but also then it's about measuring and seeing what can happen when we bring that out into a collective, you know, when we start Mm. to look at storytelling and culture, you know, and the role Mm. that storytelling has to play in supporting and indeed changing culture inside a big organisation, and that's really, really really exciting area for me you know and that that quote your life story is your leadership story is actually from a guy called Doug Conant and I got that from a podcast that he did with Brené Brown and I suppose what that means is that for me you know what that means is that you know we bring our whole selves to work. We bring our whole selves to our businesses. So it doesn't matter if I'm a willow maker on the west coast of Ireland or I'm, you know, a senior leader inside a, a large global organization who's based in Ireland. It doesn't matter, right? I bring my entire self to my work. I bring the experience that I had that morning, the conversation I had with people in my home. I bring the thoughts and feelings and fears and strengths and weaknesses, that backpack that we started to talk about at the beginning. I carry that with me, you know. And again, we look at the subconscious. Sometimes I can be really blind to be how I'm being impacted and shaped by the stories that I've picked up throughout my life and the experiences that I've had, those Kairos moments, you know. And so, you know, had I, had I for example, not taken the leap and set up my own business and made that change in 2016 that I made, I probably would have spent the rest of my life believing that I wasn't creative, right? That was a strong core belief for me and that began somewhere in my life, right? And so I see that with the leaders I work with all the time. And so I'll give you an example. I remember recently working with a wonderful person and uh, they found it really difficult to communicate with another cohort of people inside their organisation of a different gender because they always felt um, that they were being talked down to. And they felt that they were being belittled. And what would happen then was the person that I was working with would then um, become uh, quiet and shut down and, you know, not, not able to communicate. And it was a real problem for this person, you know. And we, by going back and looking at their life story, were able to kind of explore some of the reasons why that might have occurred and some of the things, the experiences that they had that had shaped their beliefs that were then at a subconscious level being triggered in these scenarios. And by going back and looking mm. at that story and kind of just unraveling it a bit and pointing to it and saying, look, you know, and maybe you need to do some work here and maybe this is, this is an opportunity to get some therapy or maybe it's an opportunity to do some journaling. It looks different for every person. Uh, they were able to mm. understand themselves a little bit more and become a better leader as a result of that self-reflection, you know. And I see examples of that with my clients over and over and over again of all backgrounds, of all ages, of all um, gender and identities. And what I love about this work is I love the humanity and the vulnerability of the people that I work with because people really want to show up in need and they're scared because they don't know how to do it. They don't want to seem unprofessional or silly. they want to stay ahead of the race. They, we live in a disruptive world. They know that they need to innovate and communicate and do all of those things that we talk about in the corporate world. And yet inside them is a little seven-year-old saying, I can't, I can't, I'm too scared. I don't have any stories. I'm going to sound stupid. Mm. You know what I mean? And what mm. I love is, when you just unlock that for people. And I see it, I I see it, it switches on for them. And they're like, I get it, right, okay. And then they're equipped to go out and to use their story, their real life experiences, the highs and the lows, the moments that they're proud of and the moments that they wish they could do differently. And they're able to carry the flame forward then and share those with their teams. And in doing so, encourage their teams to share stories back because you can't be a good storyteller unless you're a good story listener. It's essential.
1: Mm. Oh, what a great way to end. In order to be a good storyteller, you've got to be a good story listener.
0: That's powerful. What would you like people to walk away with today? I I want anybody who listens to this to, to know that their story matters, that they have an infinite amount of stories that they can tell, that they don't have to tell stories that they don't want to tell, not ever. You get to choose. Mm-hmm. And I would love people to just begin to explore, to, to see what stories that they have, and, 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 and to become storied in the sense that yes, gather those stories from the past and put them into your story bank, but also catch them going forward like fireflies and put them into a jar. And so as you go forward, mm. when you see a story or when you hear a story or when you have one of those kairos moments, jot it down. You no, know, just write it down somewhere. You know, how did it make you feel? What happened? You know? And just start to document your life in a storied way. And then you have the choice to tell the stories or not tell the stories. It's up to you, you know? But that's what I'd love people to do, to, to kinda to come home to themselves, you talked about this at the beginning, and start to value their own stories.
1: Thank you so much, Sally. It was um, wonderful to be transported by your storytelling.
0: Thanks, Manola. It was so lovely to be here. Sure, I'm mad about you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the feeling is mutual. You know that. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Sally, check her out on welltold.ie. And if you'd be so kind to share this episode with someone you know who would find it valuable, I would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to reach out to me about the podcast or anything else marketing or entrepreneurship related, check out finolahoward.com. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care.